And we thank you for joining us right here on this edition of the Morning Chat on 97.7, 97.3, and 14.50 WAOV. I'm Tom Lee, and joining us right now, Joe Heron from the George Rogers Clark National Historic Park. Uh, Joe, good to have you with us. Good morning. Welcome to the program. Thanks for having me. Well, let's go ahead and talk about what's going on over there. Um, what, what's number one on your runway right now? What's up? Uh, this Saturday, actually, we're going to have our astronomy night. It's one of our better attended junior ranger events. It's the only one we do in the evening. Uh, we'll start about 630, uh, wrap up about 930. So we get a little bit of stuff we can do before it gets dark. And then once it's dark, we'll uh, have some telescope viewing, uh, talk with the rangers, a few different activities uh, that can actually earn a, a special patch just for the uh, just for kind of stargazing. Um, this is a popular event. We're building up to the eclipse next year. So we're going to be, t uh, maybe even trying out a few of our eclipse programs for next year. Uh, but it's an exciting time. It's, it's probably the last big one that we'll do, uh, for a, at least until, you know, we get around to Clark March or Hamilton March. Yeah. Let, let's park there for a minute. I sure. mean, you talk about that the last thing for about four months, it's really, really huge. Mm -hmm. And the astronomy night, first of all, are you holding it at the GRC grounds? We are doing it at GRC grounds. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, we turn out the lights on the Memorial. We turn out the lights, uh, around all those, uh, lampposts and, uh, we get it as dark as we can. There's still a few things, uh, I think the cathedral, the bridge, uh, there's a few things that are still lit up, but we can, we can do okay. Of course, it'd be better if we were out a bit, but I think the, the kind of the view here is that we're bringing, we're bringing it to them. We're bringing it to the kids. Now, a lot of people may know why, but I'm going to go ahead and bring up why anyway. And that is when there are lights, I mean, when you talk about, you've heard the term light pollution mm -hmm. before, and the reason why you turn the lights out is, is that just, you know, this is just a matter of simple physics here. Whenever you have more light, you don't see as many stars as you do. Let's say it's the difference between watching in a city and I live in Oaktown, let's say going out, you know, west of Oaktown, out toward the Wabash River and, and looking at them in a field. And I know from firsthand experience, there's a major, major difference. Yes. Uh, I mean, just being, uh, say, south of town, driving in on 41, you'll see this even driving into small towns like, uh, and we're medium sized small town, but you see it driving into towns. I mean, uh, the light uh, comes from a very long way and, and most lights do just kind of go up and it makes stargazing a little harder. So you really want to go out uh, the darker you get it, the better. It's when you hear about uh, places like Montana, they say big sky, it's because there's so few lights uh, to kind of cut back on some of the stargazing. Exactly. And, and that's the thing, you know, because people don't realize, and they have in the last few years, you know, about how much of a difference that makes. Now you'd say you do telescopes, but I mean, do you, First of all, let me let me back up a little sure. bit here and go back to how many people do you usually have for an event like this? Uh, Pre-COVID, we would see about 100 kids, which would be 150, 200 people altogether. Our numbers for the last three years, since we've kind of brought it back, uh, they've been about 50 kids, uh, 40 to 50 kids. So, 
you can go about a hundred, you know, with, with parents, the few, you know, it's sometimes one parent, two kids or two parents, one kid. So, uh, you can almost say one and one on the parents, but, uh, it's only been hovering around a hundred. So, so there's a little more time with the telescope and stuff like that. It, it, I expect it to be a little bigger if the sky is good and clear this year. This is the one kid related event though, that I think would be a draw for adults, even without children. <laughs> I mean, honestly, I've always been kind of a fan of astronomy and this is be something that even if I didn't have any kids with me, I'd love to come out to just, you know, just on my own. And you can, you absolutely can. I, I often say for kids of all ages, uh, uh, some of the activities, some of the little uh, junior ranger programs, the, the things that we do as you walk up, some of that is geared towards kids. You're certainly welcome to talk to folks. Uh, the the actual talking with, we usually have a professor to down or a ranger April, our new ranger, is is a big astronomy nut. Um, she's she's good to talk to. I think we're going to have somebody down for the eclipse uh, representing it, which you've seen Sarah Wolf everywhere. Uh, if it's not her, she'll have a representative there also promoting the eclipse. And so, again, uh, we'll talk more about that here as we get in, in a little bit later in. But, uh, again, Astronomy Night ends up the Junior Ranger Series. Let's recap. How has it gone this year? Uh, been a little down. Uh, we had a really good show out for, uh, let's see, we had to move three-fourths day um because of rain so we just have one demonstrator during that day and he had gosh we had 50 60 people just just for a normal weapons demonstration um but uh we did junior ranger careers we had a pretty good turnout for that when our nature days had a, a pretty good turnout uh three forts we we tried to rebrand do it homecoming weekend and it just didn't it just didn't kick off uh didn't realize there was band shell and a few other things going on so i expect weather if weather allows it we're going to push that back to june so again those activities again are involved with getting young people you know involved and how much i let's talk about this now i mean you you do have the tours and i wonder mm -hmm. to myself with the area tours i mean with the local kids coming in how much of that really kind of plays off each other in other words that you play off of the school trips for the junior ranger series for the people within distance that you're looking to to attract we hope we hope to get them down but realistically kids coming down from sullivan or Terre Haute, you know or, or up from evansville uh, they may not make it over to the junior ranger days uh, we hope so we we hope that you know when the parents are there when the teachers are there uh, they see that we're posting about these events and they're sharing it um, but we don't see a lot of overlap except for the local kids. It's largely kids in Knox County that are going to come to this. A few do accidentally yeah. come to it or have their visits planned about the same time we have it. Well, that's kind of what I was touching on is, is that you, you get the local kids in here and mm -hmm. you tell them about the Ranger series. D does that, and you know, that's what I meant when I said that, not necessarily people from way outside, but sure. for, the, for the kids in the county, maybe let's say Davies County or some of the counties, you know, in within, let's say, a 20-mile radius or something like that. Does the school trips there you know, feed off into the Junior Ranger series somewhat. Just a bit, just a bit. I mean, the timing's really right uh, where they're visiting us in the spring and we kick off uh, in June. So we're, we're always pushing rendezvous. Uh, for a long time, rendezvous would give out a coupon to school kids. So I know within a couple of counties, they usually get uh, a pass for the kid and then that brings the parents in. 
Um, and then from there we're, we're promoting it. So I'm sure we get some spillover. We, we get families that just become fans of the park and when their kids are at that age, you know, between six, seven, eight, all the way up to 11, 12, uh, then yeah, they're coming to the park pretty much every time they can. A couple of minutes left to go in this segment again, getting back to astronomy night, again, the one nighttime activity you have. And it is, you talk about activities that go on before the stars come out. And you're talking about, let's say, 6, 6 Mm -hmm. 30 with sunset probably somewhere around 7, 7 30 at this time of year. What do you do in preparation for the darkness? I mean, you you talked about that a little bit. And and what, and again, is that where you do your lectures and your different things? We do. um, Trying to move away from lectures. I know for a long time we would, we would have something in the theater and invite people to come in but again a lot of people are have their six seven eight year olds so i mean it's kind of tough to sit through a true lecture right so you want stuff that's hands-on so we've got a a little kaleidoscope thing kind of a star viewer that looks like a kaleidoscope um, some of our volunteers our youth advisory council from lincoln those kids are going to come in they're going to help them make those they're going to help make um, these little solar system bracelets you know uh, just some of it's kind of crafty type stuff. Some of it is more educational. There's a talk on why astronomy matters, and it's it's the navigation for a lot of these people, for George Rogers Clark, for his little brother William of the Lewis and Clark expedition. Uh, this is the way they found their way. So we've got somebody doing the history talk. Somebody with ham radio usually comes out and does a presentation, and uh, it's it's a bit of a tie-in you know with with the ham radios just um it's it's the best place that we've been able to work that in you know if i could talk about this and one thing that this area could use and i've I've been to one before and i think this is something vu or somebody could could be talking about maybe with you guys or something it is we could really use a good planetarium around here oh sure yeah (laughs) i think there's been talk of like a um almost like a, a bit of a portable one or something like that and i think uh I think some of our teachers at Lincoln may have a may have a leg into that, um, but I think it would work over real well if there was a way. I mean, if we didn't truly have a planetarium, at least uh, have kind of a mobile planetarium experience for kids. Yeah, I was going to say because remember, I remember going to one that when I was a student in high school, yeah, a long, long time ago at, at Ball State, and that was really cool. So, and they had a presentation, like a school kids presentation. I thought to myself, you know, that would be something that'd be cool here, especially talking about it this time of year with Astronomy mm-hmm. Day coming up. Definitely. I and it's clearly left an impression. I mean, it's uh, people have always had an interest in this, and that's. I think that's why we're able to bring an audience because uh, because it it a lot of us have a story about having a telescope out and looking for Halley's comet or something. You know? Oh sure, yeah, <laughs> definitely. Uh, Joe Harris joining us this morning here on uh, the morning chat on WAOV. I'm Tom Lee sitting in for Ed Ballinger, and when we come back, similarly coming up next year. Oh, the eclipse. That's right. We'll that's talk about right. that coming up here in a couple of minutes. <laughs> listening to the morning chat on WAOV. Have you ever missed one of your favorite local shows on WAOV? Ever missed the morning chat, Mark and Mark, or even financial questions, real answers? Well, that's not a problem anymore. WAOV has our local shows on podcast and easy to get to them. Go to WAOVAM.com and click on the podcast tab at the top to find your show. It's that easy. So if you miss Vintage Vincent, legal news or views, or just the tips, listen to the podcast the next day. Go to WAOVAM.com and find your podcast. 
podcasts. Thank you for joining us on the morning chat right here on 977, 97, 3, and 1450 WAOV. Tom Lee's sitting in for Ed Ballinger and uh, sitting in for we talked about this event. I think everybody probably knows about it now. There's going to be a total eclipse coming through here April the 8th of next year. And you guys have been talking, I know you and Ed have been talking about it for months on months on months on end now. And I don't know if there's anything new to report on it, but what do you guys got going on new with that thing? With the park itself, um, think of 4th of July on steroids. It's going to be just bigger uh, even now when you know we estimate 12 to 15,000 people at, at a good 4th of July, um, it's hard to find places to sit. So I mean it's, it's gonna be blankets, it's gonna be lawn chairs. Um, we recommend getting glasses first. I'm not gonna be able to I was I distributed a couple thousand glasses oh, in yeah. 2017. I can't do that this year. Um, so try to get your glasses ahead of time, and uh, there there will be a few places available. We're hoping for some spillover onto the rendezvous grounds, but they're still kind of working that out. Uh, it's very possible that stretch of road might be closed and have a couple of food trucks on there. Now, we've had a partial just last weekend. Mm-hmm. We had a partial eclipse. And what, was that a nice little dress rehearsal for what you guys are going to be doing? Uh, for the places out west that had a better view, uh, but it, but we're going to be 100%. This is going to be a full eclipse. Uh, it's going to be much different. Um, we hope that it's not what we had in this part of the country, which was clouds. Exactly. <laughs> so uh, I didn't get to see it. I, I had glasses with me thinking it would... Uh, <laughs> Uh, be more visible like because we were in something like a 50 percent 60 yeah it's 50 I mean, yeah about yeah. 50 is what i'm thinking yeah yeah but my friends back uh back in the west were sending these amazing photos i mentioned ranger april earlier she went to her old park in utah just to go as a as an observer or somebody who's interested uh, so i'm hoping to see her photos when she's back in the office now i am i got to admit to this mm-hmm. and that is i am you know like i said we're going to have a, a, a total eclipse for some and yay knows how long and how long it's going to be after that but there's a lot of major cities in the way of this thing it's sure. going to go through indianapolis it's going to go you know you go southeast you know southwestern meant you're going to see probably memphis tennessee going into texas and mm-hmm. stuff like that is that going to keep the crowds down maybe here considering the number of major thoroughfares you know the major cities it's going to be going through it depends on a few things. Uh, the the people that are really into eclipses are going to want the longest amount of time for Indiana. That's us. Um, the cities will be easier for hotels. Are going to be easier for food services. They can they can handle more people. But you typically we were talking about light pollution earlier. You don't want to be in town yeah. necessarily when it happens. Now in Vincennes. Uh, we're working with John Streeter to actually have most of the lights that would come on, the solar-style lights, uh, have those shut off and ready. So we will have darkness uh, here in Vincennes. We're trying to get all the other little pieces that may or may may not be on solar or may not know they're on solar. You know, and We're trying to work that out right now. You made a wonderful point, and it was one I never really thought of, and that was... The fact that whenever the eclipse gets started, it gets either nearer to total to total darkness, that these lights are going to come on. I never really thought about that. That's a great point. Yeah, some will. I mean, think at home, you know, even with your garden lights or, uh, um, 
think about what what may be running on a solar that you don't think of being solar um so we're trying to work that out at least for the big lights the things the things around town um now the hardcore people are probably going to want to be out on a farm it'd be a good time for a farmer to say hey come to my property except it's april they're probably going to have you know stuff planted exactly uh, or just tilled or whatever but um depending on where they are and what they're planning um but it is an opportunity for people to do bnb to um rent out space for camping yeah uh, they're really pushing that right now the, the local eclipse board trying to get a few more people like that because the few hotels we have are, are filling up now you talk about now the, the amount of totality here is somewhere around i think four minutes if i'm mm-hmm. correct on that but from what i've heard people say the most total eclipse in the county is somewhere out on sixth street road which happens to be by the way out in the country Mm -hmm. and it it kind of feeds into your thought about not only are you getting away from lights over there you're getting away from from large buildings and whatever else but also like i said the most totality it looks like it's going to be just south of the city right right so it but you know if those people have a place in town to stay What's traffic going to be like? What's food service going to be like? Uh, and I think that's the, a great thing the committee's doing is trying to plan with with the downtown restaurants and uh, the few food trucks we have and, and try to have something set aside, have a simple uh, plan, you know. Here's another question, too. I mean, mm-hmm. you talk about the few food trucks that we have, and there's not a bad food truck scene here. No. But do you, but do you expect maybe people to come up from outside of the area, let's say, with food trucks or with other mobile merchandising or whatever services you know to try to take advantage of this i think some could it it, and that might be a good sarah question because she'd know who has and hasn't committed um but but coming up from evansville evansville's doing a lot of promotional um but i think we're maybe a little bit louder (laughs) with it but i've seen that they've had some billboards out i've gotten compliments from people outside our community on how well we've been promoting oh this thing they promoted the who out of this thing let's just yeah. be honest i mean yeah. it's it's really they've really done a great job with that they have and i think we were earlier to the game which which helps us and, and we've been we've gotten a few emails and a few phone calls about what's going on and what to expect and um the great thing is they've they've got a a website a facebook group they've got places i can send people we've only known about this total eclipse for what maybe two three years i think i had a meeting <laughs> i had a meeting with three people in town uh right after the 2017 eclipse yep i did and it was let's start working on and we didn't get to and everything happened with covid right um so a lot of things happened that slowed us down but the last year and a half i think we've really had our foot on the accelerator and so again that's coming up april 8th of 2024 get your good tickets now and uh but anyway about three minutes left to go and i wanted to mention we talked about uh, you know the astronomy date the eclipse of course which has been a major topic of discussion forever i think but anything else going on maybe that you want to mention i am toying around with a couple of dates uh maybe right before christmas uh i think the 16th we're talking about doing uh hamilton's march again i only get a handful of people that come out for this we start at vu and depending on what the river looks like we'll either walk the river walk or we'll walk topside along first street and some of the other places to get there uh and we'll talk about what the british went through uh it's a it's a neat program jason collins started it 
Um, so we're, we're going to try to do that in December. I'll have some good hard dates and times uh, when I come back next month. And, and then Clark's March, of course, coming up in February. Now, this mm-hmm. is a five and zero year, if I'm correct. It is going to be a long March. And it's going to be a long March. That's what I was going to ask yeah. you. Yeah. Yeah, it's going to be a long March. And we will most likely, it'll probably be the Monday after. Uh, but we will most likely have a ceremony inside the monument. We haven't done that since 2019. And we've talked about making it a five five zero thing where, where we just do it every other year. So you're, years. every five years. Every five years, yeah. It, so you're, you're planning on returning. And that's a good point, too, is that you're planning on returning the ceremony to the, the Clark Memorial. I'm mm-hmm. guessing since it's a five zero thing, you're going to put more into promoting it because of the fact it's once every five years now. Right. This is 245, so yep. it's just a rest rehearsal for 250, and, and I think there's going to be some amazing things coming for the 250th, and talked a bit with Ed about it. I mean, look for new museum exhibits in 2025, 2026. Um, a lot of cool things coming down the pipe for the park. So mark your calendars. It's at, at what, February 25th of uh, 2029, is that right? That'll be for the battle, yes. That'll be the, the 250th. And so then you're expecting way out now. You had something mm-hmm. similar at, at that time. And probably uh, a pretty big, pretty big thing, I imagine. Hopefully something big. And it probably, if, if we're lucky, hopefully something with Rendezvous even. So. Yep. so again that is coming up uh, you mentioned Clark March Hamilton March mm-hmm. and a long March year coming up in Wetmore which of course we get on through the winter about that but uh, again about a minute left to go here and we talked about all that Any, maybe just a second on, on school trips how have you been doing with that actually got a few school trips planned for the fall uh, there's always a handful in the fall several in the spring and uh, those schools have already started booking up for spring it's, it's hard to get a May uh, February and May, unless you unless you're jumping on it right now, because those are the popular time slots. Um, but we have just been jamming with schools. Is the fall more of a local area thing right now? There's a few that I always expect to see in the fall. As Sullivan, I mentioned earlier, is one. Uh, there's a few that just like to beat the crowd. I think. Well, Joe, it's always great to have you with us. Thank you so much because you've been a great fountain of information over the years on what's going at GRC. We look forward to seeing that continuing. Thanks for having me. All right. Thank you very much. It's Joe Heron from the GRC National Park. When we come back, we'll have more of the morning chat. And when we return after this, you're listening to the morning chat. WAOV. Have you ever missed one of your favorite local shows on WAOV? Ever missed the morning chat, Mark and Mark, or even financial questions, real answers? Well, that's not a problem anymore. WAOV has our local shows on podcast and easy to get to them. Go to WAOVAM.com and click on the podcast tab at the top to find your show. It's that easy. So if you miss Vintage Vincent, legal news or views, or just the tips, listen to the podcast the next day. Go to WAOVAM.com and find your podcasts. We thank you for joining us on the morning chat right here on 97.7973 and 14.50 AM WAOV and Pratt and Mrs. Red Skelton, Lothian Skelton joining us this morning. And and you were talking during the break, we talked about a little bit about the Pantheon and the maybe the kind of the hidden legacy of Red Skelton a little bit. Tell me a little bit about a big event coming up there tomorrow. 
Well, um, the, the Pantheon is a hidden legacy of Red Skelton, and there's a story that, that we always like to tell. And if, you, if we have a couple minutes, I'd like to tell the story. But when Red was a small boy, you know, of course, his family was very poor, and they all had to work. And Red, um, his job was selling newspapers out in front of the Pantheon. And Red tells that one day he was out selling his papers, and a very fancy-dressed man comes by and asks if he was going to go to the show that night. And Red said, no, 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 he needed to sell his papers. And anyway, he didn't have a ticket. And the man gave him a dollar, which in those days bought all his papers, and said if he came that night, he would have a ticket for him. So Red said he ran home and told his mom. He said she was so excited she even gave me a nickel for popcorn. And he came back that night and had his ticket. And he said he was sitting there in the balcony and the curtains open. He started hitting the lady next to him. Hey, hey, that's my friend. That's my friend. Well, the very fancy dressed man who had bought his papers was Edwin. And he was the headliner that evening. And he invited Red backstage at intermission. And Red said when he peeked out between those lead-weighted curtains, he knew right then what he wanted to do was to make people laugh. So truly Red credited the Pantheon with inspiring him to go into comedy. And, you know, obviously that was his his calling because he made his living and made a was a star in, in comedy and then, of course, in all the other things as well, authorship and composing and painting and everything else. But, but his love, you know, of comedy really launched him out of here. And so as part of that... Um, we have the statue and the sign telling that story, but the Pantheon is making a mural on one wall they have had commissioned, and that's going to be unveiled tomorrow evening at 5 o'clock. So the public is invited there, and it's um, showcasing Red and Ed Wynn on either side of a large mural, and in the audience are some people who were big parts in Red's lives, and so I guess you'll have to come out tomorrow to see what it's all about, but that is tomorrow evening at 5 p.m. I know they've been talking about that for a long time. I mean, I know that uh, it's been worked on, and so this is finally the culmination of something I know that's been discussed for quite a while. Right. The Pantheon's been open a couple <clears throat> years, and I think since its opening, they've been looking at what to do as far as, as commemorating Red and commemorating the history of the Pantheon. Even though it's not used as a theater now, they still want to honor that history as such an impressive, important theater in the history of Incense. Lothian, have you taken a sneak peek at that thing? Not really. Just <laughs> not the mural, but the Pantheon. The mural, yeah, the yeah. Pantheon, well, of that's course. what I meant, the mural, but yeah, but yeah. the Pantheon as well. No, and I love it because they've they've taken the theater and they've they've kept the uh, basic architecture of the theater, but they've turned this into a really modern office complex of many little offices that are, that are very user friendly, and it was appealing to me. I didn't know how I'd feel about it, but uh, it's a nice atmosphere in there. It's a good place to have a little office. I loved it. Well, I, I've got to mention, as I've gotten older, not so much when I was younger, but as I've gotten older, I've become a fan, well, maybe a little bit when I was younger, but I've become a fan of old-time radio. And there's a show on, on WAOV Sunday nights called When Radio Was from 10 p.m. to 1 a.m., shameless plug. And, uh, again, I've heard some of the Edwin stuff, and actually the Red Skelton show has been on there a few times as well. And you know, you talk about these old-time comedians and, and working together. I mean, you know, you mentioned Edwin coming to the Pantheon, discovering a young Red Skelton, and, and it, it starts his way toward the career that everybody knows. And when you talk about that, you know, talk about the camaraderie between some of the uh, older comedians. I mean, you, you talk about Edwin, you talk about Red Skelton, you talk about some of the other ones. 
there is a camaraderie, and the, there was, uh, it's just like Red seeing the talent of Johnny Carson and helping him make his steps forward. And Jamie Farr. And Jamie, Jamie Farr as well. But uh, uh, no, everybody works together or worked together in that period for the betterment of each person. Jamie Farr I knew about, Johnny Carson I did not. That sounds like a pretty interesting story. Well, that's a story in itself. <laughs> Johnny Carson was a writer for Red's show before he was Johnny Carson. <laughs> so that sounds kind of interesting because you know you talk about writers and and you know and people who started out writing. David Letterman did that as well. He was a writer before he became famous as as a talk show host, a lot like Car a lot like Carson. And I thought that was kind of interesting, you know, that uh, you know it just continues to kind of feed on itself a bit. Mm -hmm. Is that interesting to you? I mean, you know, the way that all this kind of comes together? Well, of course it is, because that's part of life. Uh, we inspire each other, and that's another thing going back to the, to the museum extension. If one, two, three, four, five young children see this, and they think, well, maybe I have a chance. Maybe they were thinking they'd never have a chance, but all of a sudden they went to the positive side, Say, well, you like, know what? Did it. I if can this do it. <laughs> man did it, maybe I can be that architect that I really want to be. Well, gee, I don't have a lot of money. My parents aren't well to do. But wait, if I try hard enough, it can happen. Think positive. Believe in yourself. Yep, that's exactly right. Two more things. One, I'd keep on thinking of these memories. My dad was a big fan of Red Skelton, and his favorite character was Freddy the Freeloader. <laughs> and I'm thinking to myself, is is that one or one other one kind of, if everybody talks about Red Skelton, do they think of a certain character? Freddy, for sure. I think Gertrude and Heathcliff. Of course, Clem Cadiddlehopper. But basically, Freddy, there was something wonderful, warm, and gentle about him, plus the way he was portrayed facially in his in with his makeup and he's very appealing very appealing you, you talk about the, um, the the museum you talk about the gallery that's it's coming up and I know Red was a really extensive painter can you just capsulize how many paintings he did well I have in storage right now over 300 hmm. signed completed and uh, ready to have and we probably have about 300 originals at the museum now so oh, and that's just the ones we own not counting the multitudes owned by other people that were purchased you know through the well the galleries where he where he sold his art so red, i mean thousands wouldn't you say thousands of originals well i don't know about thousands i just know that red never sat still he never <laughs> stopped being active he could watch television he could paint he could be re referring to information in a book. He was multi-talented, but multi-faceted. His brain would take in two, three things at a time. And uh, I was always amazed at that. He never sat still, even in a motion picture theater. He would suddenly take a pencil and start writing, jotting things down. And I, I just couldn't get over it. Could not get over that. This, I tell you what, now you talk about the paintings extensive and expensive as well. It said that uh, it looked like in the 1980s, one of his paintings went for $50,000. I mean, so, $150,000. $150,000, okay. Yeah. $150,000. So again, you know, not only is it extensive, but like I said, it also is very valuable. 
Um, very. Mm -hmm. It uh, th that was a very high market uh, for celebrity art. And fortunately, I was very proud as his wife to see this happen and to help select 12 originals every season that could be sold to people. We never overindulged the market. Right. And uh, it was a very good period of time. Red was very proud of himself because little by little, his knees started bothering him for working on stage. So he slowly spent even more time painting, even though he was very active with colleges and uh, personal appearances in Vegas and so forth. And let me ask you this. You talked about this being kind of a tribute to more comedians than just Red Skelton as far as the gallery of art you're thinking of. What are some of the other maybe comedians that you want to try to get prints or paintings in the art gallery from? Well, you know, that that's something we'll have to research as um, as time goes on and just see see what the possibilities what the possibilities are. I'm not sure I you may know better than me which celebrities even do paintings. Well, I, I can't answer that question right, right now because I'm really knowledge. not sure. Okay. I, uh, well, we'll find that to be to be answered. Let's just <laughs> say that. <laughs> to be determined. To yes. be determined. Thank you. Yeah. And uh, now you were here at the beginning, of course, in 2013, and you mentioned Jamie Farr. I had a chance to interview him, and the interview, in fact, we still have in our archives. But go ahead. You were about to say something. No, no, no. Okay, we, well, I'm sorry. I, see, I'm thinking way back when the Performing <laughs> Arts Center was built and the groundbreaking for that. Well, and that was, uh, that was uh, when I think we had Mayor Mooney um, in office. Yep. It was very exciting because Dr. Summers was so proud. McCormick was in great health, so proud. I was just beside myself. And uh, uh, it was a wonderful hope for the future. We never knew each step which it would eventually become. But... The theater evolved into the museum because I had to put Red's memorabilia somewhere, and I knew I wouldn't put it anywhere but here. Two so. questions. We were about a minute, minute and a half left. Two questions here. Number one, 10 years later, you come back and take a look at it now. Do you like the differences in how it's matured over the last decade? Well, I'm very proud of it. I mean, we're constantly upgrading and redesigning. We just repainted uh, the walls. Yes, a of new the color. museum, mm -hmm. and uh, Anne is very uh, proficient in getting efficient and proficient in getting these things accomplished. Because I'm in California, she's in Indiana, and uh, so I come back and I see the surprises that she shared with me uh, um, in texts, etc., photos and whatnot. But I'm very proud of it. I love the changes. And it's not static at any one time. There's always something that's being featured in particular every month. And one final question for you of getting back to the basics. The original, I remember when the original, the, you know, the original concrete uh, steps came in from, you're talking about the Charlie Chaplin Museum. Dumb question of the day, are those still on display? They are. They're still in these beautiful wooden cases that were made by the uh, Vincent University carpenters. And we've got, um, we had new acrylic put on them, a little bit stronger acrylic, and we had signage made so that people know the story of them because originally they were just there and people didn't always understand them. So I think the new signage is really great, but they're kind of around to the, the far side of the performing arts center you can see them in there so we direct guests back there when they come and yeah they're they're very very cool looking and and very important as always you guys get the last word anything you guys want to say in closing 
just just that um definitely check out we got a brand new website that just uh, went up last week and it does show all of our upcoming events we do have a comedy showcase tonight at 7 p.m with six family-friendly comedians um Lothian will be there she's going to help us judge these comedians so if you have a chance to come out tickets are only ten dollars so i'd love to see everybody out of the comedy showcase tonight quite a big deal i mean quite a big week tell me yes ma'am Oh, no, I, no, I no. thought you keep on you're turning your pen. I thought you had something. Okay. No, I express myself in pantomime sometimes. You'll have to excuse that. Oh, that's okay. I just I want to make my, sure I was getting comments. My pencil has had a lot of exercise. <laughs> I just want to make sure I got the right comments. In. But but it's good to say. Let's just close out by saying a great weekend, groundbreaking uh, the concert tonight, and then the unveiling on Thursday. What a big week! Big week. We have been on the move. <laughs> we want to thank Ed Pratt and Lothian Skelton. It's a pleasure to have you guys here. Thank you so much for coming in. Our pleasure as thank well. Thank you. <laughs> Stay tuned. Midday edition is next. You're listening to The Morning Chat on WAOV. <laughs> Have you ever missed one of your favorite local shows on WAOV? Ever missed the morning chat, Mark and Mark, or even financial questions, real answers? Well, that's not a problem anymore. WAOV has our local shows on podcast and easy to get to them. Go to WAOVAM.com and click on the podcast tab at the top to find your show. It's that easy. So if you miss vintage Vincent, you right legal news, or views, or just the tips, listen to the podcast the next day. Go to WAOVAM.com and find your podcasts. And Pratt and the one and only Lothian Skelton joining us this morning. Thank you guys for joining us so much. Good morning. Welcome to the program. Thank you. Good morning. Groundbreaking yesterday of the, is Lothian get top billing here or is, is it the Lothian and Red Skelton Art Museum? It is. It okay. is the Lothian and Red Skelton Art Museum, or Art Gallery of Fine Art. There we go. Yeah, that's it. Lothian Thank and you. Red Skelton Gallery of Fine Art. Yes, indeed. So, Gallery of Fine Art. And... I, I kind of looked at some information here, and, and of course, uh, we've been talking about this groundbreaking for about a week before. And it's the 10th anniversary of the Red Skelton Museum is when this is coming. Was this a coincidence, or did you guys plan this this way? More of a coincidence, I would say, because we've been talking about this expansion for a couple of years, um, and it just, you know, it just really worked out well that this summer when, when Mrs. Skelton was here, um is when it all finally came together and, and it is it is kind of fun that it's the 10th anniversary but it was pure coincidence absolutely yeah and i was kind of wondering that because i, I looked down at this and i said wait a second it's been 10 years and before i go to lothian i want to talk to and just a second now 10 years that you've been open and again mm-hmm. like i said this is coincidental but in the 10 years has it number one has it felt like 10 years and number two how has the museum really kind of hit its stride in the last decade? Well, the, um, you know, yes and no on the 10 years, because sometimes I think about, you know, our opening, and sometimes it seems very recently, and sometimes it's like, wow, that was forever ago. But as far as the museum hitting its stride, yes, I feel like, you know, COVID, of course, you know, took us down a notch or two, but we're definitely rebounding. And since 2016, that is when we have started doing changing exhibits and i think that has really allowed us to grow and expand and really bring out other aspects of red's life because if we had just remained with the permanent exhibits it would have been much more static but now we're able to focus on his travels his focus on his love of japanese culture his you know this this coming year we're doing something with his love of space you know in honor of the eclipse so i think that the the 
changing the exhibits beginning in 2016 has really allowed us to reach our stride. And also then we have um, just recently installed, actually this week, two new tech exhibits, which is the other thing is by trying to reach a younger audience and appeal to a younger audience, bringing in more tech things is really, you know, helps. We're able to showcase more of Red's videos, more of his movie trailers, things like that. So I think that's really helping us expand. We had a story on, <coughs> excuse me, it's going to be on during the rest of the day as well, about, uh, you know, Anne talked about uh, this maybe being a legacy of yours and, and again, trying to do some of yours and Red's as well, you know, the two of you together. Is that basically, is that one of the things that you can look back now and say, this is something that we really have been able to do? Well, <clears throat> it's a dream come true for me because during our marriage, Red was very productive with, uh, with his artwork, oil paintings, sculpture, and uh, drawing on fine linen. And uh, I being a, of an artistic nature myself, it, it's extraordinarily meaningful that uh, this part of my life with Red is now going to come into fruition. And, and that's a good point. I mean, you really brought that up, and that is both of you having that same talent and that same ability. And again, it, it's something that you know you can look at and say, here's something that I can remember that I did with him. And it, it's something that, that you can continue, I guess, in a way, I'm trying to figure out the word here, that you can really enjoy for, you know, you know to see. You know? It's very personal. It's very personal. It means so much to me. And we've come so far, and now it's my turn to expand the museum to not only give us more storage space for many the things that keep coming into the museum from me and from others, and to focus on Red's artwork. Maybe something I want to ask both of you, and I'm going to start with you on this, and that is uh, Lothian Skeleton, for the estate, actually the Red Skeleton estate, I guess that she's overseeing, gave $4 million to this project. Is that the entire sum of it, or is it just kind of seed money and they were able to build on that? That, um, I'm not sure what you're asking, I okay. guess. Okay. In other words, Lothian gave $4 million, the Skeleton estate, actually. It, it, it yeah. is the cost of the extension right okay. the cost of Addition. the expansion is yeah. is four million dollars yes okay. paid yes. over a period of uh a couple what? of years couple yeah. years couple well of years. I, that's what i was kind of wondering was is that that's the entire amount or was he using it like let's say a seed money and then others donated to it as well that's what i was trying to get at. no not at this time okay but but we have an endowment and so we always welcome donations for our endowment for sure yeah. 7,200 square feet of this. And I guess this is going to be adjacent to the Red Skelter Museum of American Comedy. Is that correct? It, it will be fully connected. Like you can enter the new space from the current space. And so it will have, you know, mainly be focused on artwork, but in the connection space, we may have other, you know, t other types of exhibits, you know, but it's got new restrooms and uh, a prep kitchen, you know, and it, it's really going to be state of the art. We are so, so excited. It's always good to see you, Lothi, it's always good to see you back in town. You've been here several times and you kind of semi-adopted Vincennes a little bit, I mean, in all your time here. My second home. <laughs> Yes. Who has a second home in Vincennes? <laughs> I do. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> but again, it, it, it is, is it something that every time you come back here that you kind of think about your time together? Not so much about our time together, but I think of all the 
new friends that I've made and my comfort level here and to see the improvements of the museum and the beauty of the Performing Arts Center and now the hope and planning of a beautiful extension. Let's talk about the groundbreaking yesterday. Again, this is a ceremonial groundbreaking. I guess work yep. has either started or will start soon on it. Mm -hmm. Now, you talk about that yesterday. What were some of the highlights of this groundbreaking? Anything <laughs> really stand out? <laughs> to start with, good weather. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I think everybody's appreciation of uh, the ability to get this accomplished. We're all grateful in our own particular way, and it's good for Vincennes, for the university, and it's wonderful for the museum. So it's, uh, it's affecting many lives, and we want it to inspire young people coming up in the future. You know, and, and maybe Lothian as well, you know, of course, I was here. I just got to town in 1996, and Red Skelton passed away in 1997. I just got here, and uh, Dr. Philip Summers, I'll never forget, wanted to find a way to commemorate Red, and this all started with his passing, and it's kind of interesting that it all started kind of as a memorial, and in a sense, a labor of love, I guess, to one of Vincent's most famous citizens. They came to me, and um, uh, Jim McCormick and Dr. Summers came to me in Palm Desert, California, with a plan for a performing arts center, January the 17th, 1999. I shall never forget it. I was so excited. The first thing that we donated were four concrete tablets from the Charlie Chaplin Theater. It started then and then it grew and grew and grew and the McCormicks used their trucks to bring things that were stored in the classrooms of the university and we've moved on since then step by step by step until Mr. McCormick turned a a uh, fire tragedy into actually a celebration by using those funds after insurance for the building of the museum. So, and that was wonderful. I know that was something that Dr. Summers had talked about, and I know that C. James McCormick, you mentioned him as well, was also a, a major benefactor in this. But I can always, in the back of my mind, about the year 2000, like I said, been here since 96, and in the year 2000, I can remember Dr. Summers and his view then, just the dream of the Red Skelton Museum and, and some ways that he wanted to see that set up. And, and, and to an extent, Lothian, you guys are kind of the the products of what this thought pattern was definitely i mean you know and this and this just i'm just said that because that was just amazing to me to know you know looking back 23 years from now how this has really grown and blossomed and now you see red everywhere in town right exactly and i, I think you're right because you know prior you know, everybody knew Red Skelton was from Vincennes, but they're just, during his lifetime, wasn't as much around town commemorating that, yeah. you know. So then once once he passed, because now I think about all the things, you know, in 2017, I believe, 20 years after his passing, we put the Indiana historical marker in front of his birthplace. And then in 2000, gosh, what was it, 21, I believe, we did the Indiana historical marker in front of the Pantheon, kind of commemorating his time working at the Pantheon. In 2022, we have the statue in front of the Pantheon. So we're continuing to create spaces around Vincennes, not just 
in the one location, but just it's it's really you know been able to grow beyond the the walls. It's in spreading. Sense. Yeah. It's spreading. We're spreading the news. <laughs> <laughs> but, but here's the we thing. Are. I'm going to get into this in the next segment more, but also we don't talk a whole lot about the Pantheon Theater as being part of Red Skelton's legacy. Of course, where he got his start. Maybe we can get into the next segment a little bit about the, the use current use of the Pantheon and and maybe it's tied to Red Skelton. You mentioned the. Uh, the the statue out front talking about red and uh, we'll do all that when we return you're listening to the morning chat on WAOV <laughs> 